Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to the latest edition of Until Saturday. I am Ari Wasserman. I will not be joined today by any of my esteemed colleagues at The Athletic. Instead, I will be joined by ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet, who came onto the show and had a nice 40-minute discussion about a wide range of topics. We talked about today's college football, the evolution of the sport, uh, the new 12-team playoff, the NCAA video game, uh, both his involvement in playing it back in the day and also being a part of it, his voice being a part of it in the past. Uh, Nick Saban is also joining the ESPN College Game Day set. We talked about the legendary head coach and his new role on ESPN's uh, trademark college football show. We got into the Dylan Rayola fiasco uh, and much, much more. So I really appreciate you guys being here. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please help support the show by dropping a five-star review. If you leave a question in your five-star review, we'll be sure to answer it on the show. Uh, we are going to be doing a lot of mailbags into the offseason, so be sure to uh, engage any way that you can and help support the show. Also, leave us a voicemail on our Until Saturday phone line for future mailbag episodes. That's 316-462-9852. Again, that is 316-462-9852. Uh, really appreciate you being here, and let's get into the Kirk Herbstreit interview. And now we welcome in Kirk Herbstreit to the show. Um, maybe the biggest college football personality in the in the world and certainly somebody who's become synonymous with the sport that we all love Kirk thank you so much for being here yeah looking forward to it how you been I, I'm doing all right it's uh there used to be an off season and I'm sure as you found <laughs> out that uh, you're finding out or have found out that's not the case um yeah. w- w- just with your experience and and being a sportscaster in this sport and in this business with all the changes that are happening right now um you know the evolution of the game, I think, is a, is a really hot button issue for a lot of people, um, people that are worried about change, maybe myself included a little bit. Uh, what is your take on just the health of the sport with all the things that are happening right now and, um, you know, just kind of the direction that it's headed in? I would say that's kind of multifaceted. I, I think health of the sport Man, I, I can't. I, I've been watching football since the mid '70s, and and loving every Saturday, you know, from that point on. And I don't know if I can remember a year where the the, the Saturdays, just like enjoying the games, the competition, and the energy and the emotion and passion around the game, has been better. Um, I think the game itself, the competition, the fans, the energy, the emotion on Saturday on the field is great. I think what's happening around the sport is is change. I, you know, I've learned a long time ago that I have to be willing to get used to change, no matter what my preference might be. I, I have to to be willing to open my mind to things. And um, I think that the unusual part here in these last twelve or eighteen months has just been all of it at one time. Is is just I think mm-hmm. scared, scared a lot of us. You know, when when you throw things that I mean, you could go back the last 100 years in the sport and what's happened in the last 12 to 18 months is probably more in those 
in that 18 month span than happened the previous 100 years. So I think that's oh, it's only natural if you love the game and care about the game to be like, what, what, wait a second, what, what about this? And what about that? You know, I'm used to as a fan. So I think that's a very expected way for anybody who loves this game to, to go through this. I think the, the, the thing I'm trying to do, I don't know how you've done it Ari. I, I'm trying mm-hmm. to do, try to get my arms around NIL and I have opinions on NIL and, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of these collectives deciding who's going to be on a roster or stealing away players from smaller schools. You know, this have and have not world that we've gotten into. I'm not a big fan of collectives going to the have nots and saying, we need a left tackle. Oh, the, you know, Southern Miss might have one or Miami of Ohio has one or, okay, let's go get him and offer him a amount that he can't refuse. It's not that the kids did anything wrong. I think the system, I, I don't know how that sounds good. I'm not a fan of like outbidding other collectives to get a five-star recruit. I I just don't think that's what NIL, the spirit of NIL, you go back 10 or 15 years ago and you look at, uh, what was the guy's name? Jeremy Bloom, I think was a skier Mm -hmm. and he couldn't get money, even though other athletes in the Olympic sports that, that didn't play football were able to get some of those, those marketing opportunities. He couldn't because he played with Colorado football and, it created a big buzz. Like, how is he not able to get money? doesn't make any sense. So name, image, and likeness. If you're able to sell C.J. Stroud as a player who's established himself as a brand at Ohio State, and he can go get a Ferrari or he can make $10 million because he created a brand, I've gotten to the point where I get it. No problem. He's earned that. Go for it. Um, that's what name, image, and likeness is. But outbidding other schools for recruits or guys that are already in college or, or guys walking off the field after you just played a team and a coach is on one side going up to backup players and saying, Hey man, I'm going to be in touch. You know, I, I see things aren't going good. Hey, we'll, we'll call you. It's like you're recruiting while you're shaking hands, like, or, or you're reaching out and texting guys who you recruited and lost the first time but now they're on a different team and it's not, it hasn't worked out that well. So you're going to circle back to them. Hey, once you come back to us, even though the guy's already on a, on a, on a roster. So there's the NIL I think is, is frustrating. Revenue sharing is a thing that's going to come. It hasn't happened yet. It's coming. And I don't have a problem necessarily with that, how they break it up. And the biggest thing, I'm sorry to go on and on. The biggest thing to me is that not having any, true understanding of transfer portal and the players went from not having no rights to now the players having all the rights. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, And no rules. Players can do whatever they want for the most part. Doesn't make any sense. It isn't right. Um, And so that, and I think not having one voice as a commissioner, you know, Mm -hmm. we got Greg Sankey and Greg's worried about the SEC for them right now. And you think he's worried about West Lafayette or Champaign or, you know, Happy Valley? I mean, he, he's worried about, and he should be, worried about the SEC. And Tony's worried about the Big Ten and, and his map. He's not worried about Starkville or Oxford or Baton Rouge. He's worried about moving the sport forward for his schools. But until we have one voice that's trying to move the sport down the into the future because he's worried about the whole sport, He's not worried about his conference. That's where we have to get. And the only way we get there 
is we have to pull out of the NCAA. We create a new governing body. We put one voice in charge as a commissioner of that world. And then you partner with the players, either a union or an entity of some kind. And then you negotiate and you go through all these sticky points, NIL, transfer portal, you get revenue sharing, you go right down the list, create an agreement, and then you enforce the rules and, and you go to work with, with one voice. So that that's where, the, where I think we have to go. I don't know how we're going to get there. Um, but right now we're going, we're going in so many different directions because everybody has their own agenda. It's very hard to move forward mm-hmm. when everybody has their own agenda in mind. As I've been covering the sport, Kirk, you've been a mainstay of somebody who I see on TV, fans see on TV, and I almost feel like I can't picture college football without your voice. Um, and I mean that in the nicest compliment possible. And I'm wondering, you, you've become synonymous with this game. Um, you know, what figurehead, a person who's opinionated, a person who was a sportscaster in it. Um, how have you seen your personal career, um, you know, take shape in terms of what you might have thought it would be? And and what do you think your role in this sport is now other than somebody who just talks about it on TV? You know, I, I've always looked at myself as as just a guy that – has great deal of passion other than my family. I, I, I would say that my passion, you know, is my faith and, and my job and my sport, you know, that I love, I, I, I love college football, you know, with, with all my heart, I, I enjoy the NFL. I think it's great, but college football for me, it's, I just shoot it literally into my veins because <laughs> I care that much about the sport. Um, the hard part for me is the, the, the world that we've gotten into with social media and false narratives that get created. And like, for example, I'm watching, we're about to do a game with Florida and Florida state, if I'm not mistaken. And we're about to do the open for the game. And while I'm calling games, I always have a bank of monitors to my right. Chris Fowler is to my left, but these, uh, my spotters right here, mm-hmm. but I always have a bank of monitors right here. Cause there's always some great games in that, in that uh, primetime hour or window. So, you know, I'm watching the end of the 330, we're about to do the open. We're watching the end of the 330 game, and it happened to be the Iron Bowl. And because I love the game and I love the storylines, and wow, one of the teams that may have a shot at, at the playoff is on the ropes in a rivalry game. And I've watched it every minute of the game, and we're about to do our open. And there's like a penalty, and then there's a, you know, there's a timeout, and we're literally under a minute away, and the producer's in my ear, and I'm, I'm like, well, you know, hold on, hold to the camera. You know, and I lean over to watch the, the the last play, and it's like you or anyone else. I, I I didn't know there was a camera on me. I'm just watching as a fan, not mm-hmm. as a, not as a Alabama guy or an SEC guy. But but yeah. this is a big game, and I love the sport. And I'm watching, and it what happened happened. Basically, hail mary. They catch it. Yep. And they they save their season, and they somehow come back and win a game they probably shouldn't have. And there was just a natural reaction, probably like anyone else had. And of course, you get accused of like being an Alabama fan, you know. And it's like, yeah. what are you, like that was like the Kirk, I was in my living room, yeah, and it was yeah. my entire family was still in for Thanksgiving. And when that yeah. play happened, I was sitting uh, on my couch, 
and I jumped up with my arms and screamed like with my arms up yeah, and like, I put like, my hands on my head and like happen? I don't care who it, it was more of an ex yeah either. that was one I of mean, the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life in terms yeah, of just like, like yeah it's like one, of the, one of those plays I'm gonna remember you know oh do you remember it's just like the yeah kick six like you remember where you were I don't no idea like what the ramifications of the game are. It's just I've watched every play of the game and I can't believe I'm so invested in the game. Yeah. I don't know like who wins, who loses, whatever. It's just holy cow, can you I'm like hitting Fowler, like, can you believe that? Oh my gosh. That's all it was. But again, the thing that frustrates me is that's genuine passion and love for the sport, not for Alabama, for the sport and for the storyline. Holy cow, they kept their hopes alive on that play. The, the yeah. quarterback play before ran five yards across the line of scrimmage. He came back, threw it. I mean, it was like a debacle. And then mm-hmm. that happens. So it was just like, holy cow, kind of kind of moment. So I think going back to your question, I I've, because ESPN's put me on college game day, 28 seasons, and they put me at you know, the ABC Saturday night game of the week since 06. Like I, I realized that my brand you know, in this social media world has, has gone up, um, you know, and, 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 and it's not something that, that like my goal, when I told my attorney and my agent at the time, I wasn't making any money. I had no future. It's like, you know, I, I got the ESPN. They hired me game day when I was like 26 years old. And I was like, my goal is to be Dick Vitale, meaning being mm-hmm. synonymous with a sport. So like, and you hear my voice, you think of nothing but college football. You see my face, you think of college football. That was my goal in 1996. Like I was asked to do things outside. This is back when they would ask talent to be like on a hunting and fishing show and mm-hmm. different things. And I would intentionally say no to everything because I just wanted to be a brand that was associated with, with college football. And that's what I've tried to do. Now, obviously the NFL and Amazon thing happened, but for the most part, I've just, sat right in there with college football. It's something I love. And so as that's kind of gone up, um, I try to be a guy that's incredibly well prepared. I don't have an agenda of any kind other than being fair. And when you're fair and you give opinions, you're going to upset people. That's just part of it. And I have for 28 years upset people. Um, I don't like that part of my job. I just I just like to talk football. I, I don't like being accused of things. I don't like being told I have an agenda or I'm an ESPN shill. I, I just, it's none of it's true. And so it's okay to disagree with me, but mm-hmm. don't, don't create a narrative that's, that's just not true. That That's the part that um, you can say I'm an idiot. You can say I'm clueless, whatever you want to yeah. say, but I don't, I just, I swear to you, I have zero agenda. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I promoted something the other night. I was watching the women's. There's not a lot to watch. These. I'm a sports fan. Um, the Blue Jackets aren't great. Ohio State basketball is not great. I'm watching like uh, Angel Reese and LSU. I'm watching Caitlin Clark because they're competitive games. And I tweeted something out about, wow, women's basketball has been amazing to watch some of these games. But And the ratings, by the way, back that up. And, right. Oh, there he goes again on e- just promoting ESPN. I'm like, what? How do people think this way? Like, it's just so mm-hmm. – bizarre to me that everything has to have an angle or you're up to something instead of just being a sports fan the game yeah just yeah just i, I tweet about the reds all the time do you think i like bally sports like i i don't i don't understand yeah why people do that 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, there's a lot of tweeting out there, trust me, uh, and yeah. a lot of people say things and I don't even know if sometimes they know what they're saying. Um, <laughs> and it's just the thing that I think is interesting, and, and I'm sure you've you've addressed this before, but you know the Dylan Rayola thing that happened last week, right. I think kind of falls in line with what you're talking about here. Yeah. Um, what was your your take on that? But not just that. I wanted to ask you because you said something in the previous answer that I thought was interesting. You said your goal was to become the face and the voice where people see your face and your voice and they think of college football. And I think that you've accomplished that. So congratulations on Thank that. You. Thank you. But when you get to the point that you've gotten to Kirk, where you have that, how, and, and I'm struggling with this myself to a much smaller degree, but still, yeah. how do you get to a point or is it even possible to get to the point where those types of things just don't bother you anymore, where you're not um, reading the Twitter mentions or if people are, accusing you of recruiting Dylan Rayola to Nebraska that like, you just don't care because like, I, I just don't know if that's possible. And I'm, I'm actually curious to hear what your thought process is as somebody who could probably use the advice. Well, it, it, it depends on your wiring. All right. Like for me, I'm, I'm a, I'm a pleaser. Like in fifth grade, I wanted my teachers or my parents or my coaches to be proud of me. Like I, I, I cared what, what they thought. You know, and, and I and I took pride in, in trying to make them proud. And so it's just the way I'm, I'm wired. I've always uh, been somebody if I get sideways with somebody, I always want to just kind of talk it out. So Twitter has been very challenging for me in that way, because when people cr- create a false narrative or they, they, they go down a tangent, and they're a thousand percent true that that's it, the re- reality. And it's not it. I want to, like, talk to them like I want to I want to try mm-hmm. to say, you, you, you know, I didn't do that. Like what you're saying is not, not true, but as we know in that world, you can't, you can't win. do that. You just can't do that. Well, you, and so yeah. I think like, kind of like you get a callus on a hand, you know, you just, over time, you just go through things and you get more and more accustomed to 
you know, the punishment that you receive for having opinions, you know, you receive that. If you have an opinion, um, I receive it. You know, if, if I have an opinion, you know, the whole thing with Rayola, I, I've made it abundantly clear as much as I can publicly that I, I don't follow recruiting the way you do, Ari. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I know some of the names like a Dylan Rayola, but I don't like, I'm not sitting here looking at commitments or who's going where. Rayola was a big name. I'd just seen him in Athens maybe three or four weeks before that at an Ole Miss Georgia game and said hello to him and wished him well and assumed everything was going great. And then out of nowhere, I get a call from his dad about, you know, they're, they're kind of going through some second thoughts. And I was like, what? I just assumed everything was great. What's going on? And he just almost like dad to dad kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And he was just almost like he was thinking or talking out loud. And I was just more of a sounding board. And I listened to him and basically asked me what I thought about Matt Rule. I, I didn't crush Kirby. I love Kirby. Kirby's one of my closest friends. And there's also nothing to crush. <laughs> yeah, it's like they, they, they're, they're the chiefs of college. Football. Yeah. What, what would you say? Um, so I, I, I didn't bring up Georgia. I just responded to any question he asked me. He asked me about uh, about Matt Rule. And I just said, I, I well, look what Matt Rule did at Temple. Look what he did at Baylor. Mm-hmm. I, Matt Rule's going to get him going. You know, I, I, I like him. He's like, if my son went to play for Matt Rule, I'd, I'd feel great about that. Like that, that, that's all. I mean, what, what else am I going to do? Say Matt Rule's a bad guy. Don't yeah. ask that, that. You can't ask me that question. I get calls from athletic directors, from presidents, conference commissioners. People talk to me all the time. Just, just as a, just as an outside voice, you know, to, to, Hey, what do you think about this kind of thing? And, because I'm around the sport, you know, and I have been for almost 30 years. So I'm not trying yeah. to push people anywhere, but they can come to me and I, and I'm going to be honest with them. And so that, that's really all I did was, was tell them what I thought about Matt rule. And I, and also said, by the way, your son can go anywhere. He's going to Georgia and whether it's NIL money or playing for national championships or going to the NFL after three years. And you're talking about going to Nebraska where you played and they haven't really been relevant on the national championship level since they walked off the field at the Rose Bowl in 2000 mm-hmm. against Miami. And your son, because of his respect for you and the way he was raised, is thinking about going to Nebraska. That's cool. Like, yeah. Wow. That that's a that's a powerful thing that that uh, that clearly you and him have a great relationship. And that that was all I said, and yeah. I forgot about it and went about my business. And then the story broke, and then Dom did that interview, making it sound as if I really helped sway him. And if I did, it was just by complimenting Matt Rule. Uh, it had nothing to do with Georgia. Yeah. It was just me saying I, that I, I had a great deal of respect for him. So um, hopefully people can see that, that I didn't, I didn't have any intentions to try to get involved in the recruiting. I didn't try to keep him out of Georgia. I, I wish he would have gone to Georgia and had a great career. And now that he's at Nebraska, I hope it works out there. That, that's kind of, it yeah. for me when it when it comes to that, but yeah, I take I take my role as a guy that over prepares and is asked to give opinions. You don't have to agree with them, but I can promise you that it's a really well informed opinion when I give it, and it just happens to be mine. And disagree with it or agree with it, and I think already that's where you you probably have already gotten, but that's where you have to get because yeah. you're going to set people, especially in today's world where they have access to you, you're going to upset people with any opinion you give. Uh, Kirk, I can't control myself responding to people. That's yeah, my problem. I think you should turn off your 
your mentions, yeah. you know, because, and I don't know if that's something you like to do or not. I, I, I don't see most of the, my mentions. So that, that helps because yeah. I'm like you, I would, I would scroll down and want to respond, you know, and, and then they, they'll misconstrue that response too. Right. You, know? you can't win in the scenario, but I also yeah. don't want to miss people who are, fans of the wonderful. show or want to talk to me and are wonderful yeah. people. So yeah, it's wonderful. just, which is like a weird of the, the interactions, maybe 90% are, yeah. are really great people that just have, you know, a curiosity or a question. So you're right. Yeah. Uh, Kirk. So Nick Saban, huh? I mean, that's a, yeah. he's, he's joining the show and is going to, what's it like to, you know, have that news of the greatest coach in college football history kind of joining up with the team. You know, I, I remember, Five, six, seven years ago, somebody said they're they're rumoring uh, Nick Saban to leave college and go to the NFL, and, and they're asking me questions about that. And you think he'll go to the NFL? And I said, listen, he will be on the college game day set before he's coaching in the NFL. I remember I can't remember who I told that to. I just remember telling somebody that. And the reason I felt that is every time he would come on as a guest analyst on the national championship when he wasn't playing, he would get done. And he and I would kind of be walking off to set and I would be almost like a coach to him as a player. And I would, he would be like, what would you think? And I was like, man, I thought you did this and you did that. I thought when you said this, it was awesome. And, and I could just tell he had almost like this, this curiosity about the business and about, you know, maybe I could do this when I was done. And so he probably did that maybe five times, five seasons where he wasn't playing, but he would come as a guest analyst. And every time it would be the same kind of thought. And that's what made me think, okay, when he's ready to be done, he's going to, he's definitely going to do TV. So I'm not shocked that he's doing it. I'm incredibly thrilled that what I envisioned six or seven years ago has played out. He's going to be part of our team. Um, You know, if you, if you look at that group of people and Lee Corso is still, you know, going to be on the show and probably in similar capacity, I would guess. I haven't spoken to anybody about it, but I would guess that when he was on at the beginning and, you know, in the middle a few times and at the end. Um, but I mean, if you, if you put coach Corso on there and then when he comes off, you'd have myself on the end and, and, uh, and coach Saban and, and Pat and, uh, and Reese and Desmond and coach. I mean, I don't know if they're going to extend the desk or what we're going to do, but um, it, it's going to be fascinating to have, in my mind, the greatest coach to ever coach college football on that desk and, and put him in a position to win, put him in a position to have success, and then just watch him grow because three hours for 15 weeks, it, there's more to the show than just XO. Right. And I'm looking forward to seeing him. You know, Pat's doing a, a field goal kicking contest, and and there's just a lot of chaos and a lot of impromptu moments. Um, there's features. There's just there's a lot to a three hour show, and I'm just looking forward to really just being there for him and trying to help and trying to see him show a side of his personality that that I think not a lot of people have seen, and um, and I, I've seen it, and I hope he's comfortable enough in in bringing that out on on camera. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun just seeing kind of the ebb and flow of how that how that grows with Coach coming on. Kirk, we at the Athletic uh, reported today that ESPN and the College Football Playoff uh, are in agreement on a six year deal worth uh, almost eight billion dollars. That's going to extend the network uh, being the home there for the twelve team field through the twenty thirty two season. Um, 
what's your take on that extension in terms of being the 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 channel that's going to air it and do you have any opinions on the model and, and how it should look whether it be a six plus six or five plus seven well first i hope that i, I know you guys have reported that and I, I hope um you know that that ends up playing out and if, if it's true and if it's if it's uh, a done deal um that would be wonderful news obviously i mean i, I have three more years on my my personal contract with uh, with the company and um, been there for 28 years. And so looking forward to hopefully being there and being a, a big part of that. So I'm excited about the 12 team playoff. I, I, you know, just like we got into a debate this past year. Um, I don't know. You probably know way more about the model. And, and I think they're still behind the scenes. I think the commissioners are still trying to get on the same page, you know, with, with mm-hmm. that uh, and how it's going to play out. Um, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how it settles, you know, because you tell me, we, we, it seems like we have this big 10 sec leaders, right. They're, they're right. pulling away and you got the big 12 holding on, right. That their commissioner's done a really nice job of salvaging that conference. The PAC 12 is no longer in existence. And then we got the ACC who seems to be arguing all the time about, you know, what, what they're tied into for a number of more years. So it seems that, I would love, I don't know how you feel. I would just love to see, I'd love to see one of the, 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 the schools from the group of five or whatever that's called nowadays. Um, yeah. I'd, love see, I'd love to see the smaller conferences always have a team in there, whoever that happens to be, um, you know, and however that, that ranking from the, from the committee, however that plays out, it'd be great to have one, at least one of those teams in it. And then after that, I, I don't, I think it's just the, the best teams, right? I mean, is, yeah. is there, what's the debate there? I mean, is it? It's is, the uh, it's the the dedicated spots that are guaranteed for conference winners or the highest ranked conference team. So the the question here is, if you have Big Ten and SEC Ten who are going to have, yeah, yeah, they're going to have more teams that are probably qualified just based on the money and the and the revenue that those programs are going to have. Big Ten, SEC. Big 12, ACC, like those champs. Those are the four. And then you have to worry about the Pac-2 still, which is the Oregon State and Washington State, which okay. is kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, and then you have group of five. It's how many teams do you think should be guaranteed a playoff spot for winning their conference in this new 12-team yeah, like the, the field? Atlantic, the American or whatever it might yeah, be. There, it, so that's the, you know, and in my personal opinion has always kind of been um shaky on this Kirk because like on one hand I love the NFL I enjoy watching it as a consumer and I yeah. do like the finality of if you win your division or your your record indicates yeah. that you should be a wild card there's nothing to debate nothing. but then on the other hand the thing I'm obsessed with with college football is the debate <laughs> like I, I I enjoy yeah. um the discourse that exists around resumes and who's worthy and who have yeah. you played and do, do you know you 99 away do you think that it would go away well I don't think it's ever going to go away completely because I think they're still going to need a committee at a certain point to get the last few teams in there yeah. but if we start get, like I guess like the right way to do it would be you know have isolate X number of conferences who play at a level that you deem good enough to get there, guarantee their conference champion a spot. But if you did that with everybody, then you would be no more debate. And there might be some debate about whether or not the American conference champion should be in over the loser of the Alabama Georgia game in the sec championship game. So the whole thing is more so about making sure there's enough spots for the teams in the big 10 and the, 
in the SEC who now have more teams in totality, um, but then also have more teams that are probably qualified. It's, it's the same thing that we ran into last well, year on a smaller SEC, deal. What if you take the SEC and the Big Ten out of it because everyone just assumes they get preferential treatment? What what if it's the Big Twelve? Like what what if it's what if it's two teams out of the Big Twelve that that yeah. are that are in the top, let's say eight, um, and they have a third team down there in the Big Twelve at ten. I, I have a hard time if if the, if the committee is voting them as they have three in the top 10 all year. It's just a fan of the game. I don't even care who the teams would be. Why? It's just, it just doesn't seem right to leave those three teams out from the big 12. If they're, they're looked at universally as, as three of the top 10 teams, why would they, so you'd oh, probably be maybe in the camp of less guaranteed spots and more committed. Yeah, yeah. I, I because want it, if that, I want, it, I want it more about. I, I'm good with at least one from from the what, what what's the new group of five? What do you call the group of five? We I think we're still kind of debating that. I'd love to hear your ideas for it. A group of five is like you know I don't want to do have and have nots. That's no. I get a yeah, bad rap yeah. for uh, being yeah. biased towards bigger recruiting programs. Yeah. That's not true, but no, we do but, have to come up with a way because we've been programmed for years now to say Power Five, G Five, and that's just yeah. not the case anymore. Yeah, I mean, they'll have in to, fact, I, mean, I don't even know how to refer to the Big Twelve anymore, Kirk. Like, I, I, we, we need the, the the Boise State, you know, t- type of team. Yeah, you know, it. We have if we're going to go to twelve, you have to have right the Miami of Ohio with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean. There, yeah. There's always that team. I think the highest rated group of five team is in no matter what. Absolutely. So like they have a spot. Um, yeah. And I think that that's probably a better scenario for them um, than it's been in the past where a lot of times yeah. the UCFs and, 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 and honestly, stuff have been left out. If you run the American, you're in. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Like yeah. I've always had a hard time because my debate, uh, and I don't want to keep you here till tomorrow morning, but has always been, I like the four team field because it demands excellence out of the teams that are going to yeah. be playing for a national championship. Yeah. But this way the door opens for a lot more teams and a more meaningful games. Um, even if I don't believe that they could win the national championship, a team that I didn't think could win the national championship before the year just won one. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think here, that here's it, a, here, yeah. here. One quick thing on that is my fears. We were at, we were at the BCS, and it, it, to me, I enjoy what I enjoyed about the BCS is, man, that those computers, whether you won a game in late August or early December, those computers looked at those wins and losses the same way. And it made you feel as a fan, every single game felt almost like a playoff game. Like, mm-hmm. And I love that about college football, right? Beginning to the end, you better win your games. That was the BCS era. And then the playoff era, I think it was still that way, but it was much more subjective with the committee and the debates. But it was still, you felt the regular season. You felt value in the regular season, right? And as we expand out to 12, my my biggest fear is I don't want to become like college basketball. And I'm a college basketball consumer. I love it. If I went back to 10 years ago, 
I would be watching games tonight, tomorrow night. Like I am a college, ba- but I've gotten to a point with college basketball, the combination of the one and done, um, not knowing players, transfer portal. I don't know the teams like I used to know. And I'm not even talking the Big Ten. I used to live and watch Georgetown, Syracuse, Kansas. It didn't matter. I just watched them all. And I knew players on these teams and I was dialed in. And by the time March Madness came around, man, I was excited because I'd watched all the way through. Now, these last seven or eight, nine years, now I've gotten to the point where I don't know a whole lot of the players. I don't really know a lot of these teams. Um, I've gotten to the point where it's March Madness. I, I, I really dial in when I get the bracket and I get excited for four or five weeks out of the entire season. Right. And if you ask me what I think of the NIT, all due respect, I don't know anything about the NIT or who's in it. Are we headed to the 12 teams becoming March Madness, where we're all excited about the bracket and who's in, who's out. Okay, and then 13 and beyond is like the NIT. We don't care. We have no interest. I'm a guy that likes the Citrus Bowl and whatever they're called nowadays, the Outback Bowl and the Alamo Bowl. And I like those games when these big conferences, second, third, fourth place teams don't make it in to where they're trying to go and they have to play each other. I, I like watching those games. I don't like the empty stadium six and six bowl games, but I do like the eight and four bowl games when they go against each other. It's just the, yeah. the traditionalist in me likes that. I just would hate to, to get to a point where people lose interest because their team's eight and three, whatever. Um, and all you care about are the teams in the playoff. And, and those fringe fans don't even really pay attention at all. Hey, when the playoff starts, I'll kind of get dialed in the way I do with March Madness. Like, I hope we're not yeah. going there. The thing that, I, that I've – I used to really like college basketball too, and a lot of what you just said rang true from my personal experience. But the reason why I became disenchanted with college basketball is because the games don't matter. Like, right. in the aggregate, if you're a good team, it'll work out. But if you lose – if North Carolina loses to Duke in February, it's like, Other, okay, we'll see. fans and their pride. Their fans, and, you know, yeah, but there's no – there's no, no consequence penalty or consequence for losing. So yeah. like that to me was always my biggest fear with this. It's like Georgia, Ohio state and Alabama. I mean, would have to have a catastrophic season for them not to make the 12 team field. Oh, I think about Ohio state, Michigan, they're number two against number four, yeah. whoever loses, eh, whatever, you know, you're but, almost better off losing. You don't have to go to the big 10 championship game. You're, you're going to go in as the number in. Seven. Yeah. Whatever. It even, you know, it even happened in the four-team field once. So that, like, to yeah. me, they'll never miss the playoff again. Yeah. And I think what people are losing sight of, of is that the 12-team playoff, yes, is going to open the doors to some new teams. But what it's done is created a culture of impunity for the big-time programs to not have bad seasons. Yeah. A 9-3 and three year for Ohio State right now would be an absolute disaster for them. But yeah. if they go 9-3 and three next year, they're going to the playoff. And that, yeah. to me, is kind of a, a sour like an Ohio yeah. State fan has no re- there's no consequences for getting fired up for a regular season game there yeah. ever again. They still will because they care about their team and they want it to yeah. win, but it's not the same stakes right. as You're walking right. into the Ohio Stadium on a November day saying if we lose we're done. Like that yeah. to me is special. Yeah. Um I but agree. I do think and, and I've had this debate with my good friend Andy Staples on this podcast in the past. Um football is just king. And I do think that even though some of the games um would be disenchanted out of the 12 team era. Like if, if there is a, a top 20 matchup between 14 and 18, like North Carolina, Auburn or something, yeah. I think people gambling culture has a big part of oh, it. Yeah. But I also yeah. think 
that people just enjoy watching football, which is why the ratings for these bowl games that don't have Never a lot of people higher. in the stadiums are really, really high. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't concern myself about that. What I do concern myself about is the 12 team era, how long this is going to last. And if it goes to 24 or something happens where we're watering down the season to the point where it gets to be like college basketball, where there's yeah. no penalty for awful. losing the, the moment awful. that you discussed earlier, Kirk, where we both jumped up in the air to watch Alabama, you know, next year that doesn't matter. Right. Like that yeah. stinks to me. Right. So like then it's it's a spectacular play and a and a big win in a rivalry game. But if they lose, they're still in. Yeah. I so mean, if you think about it, if it ends up at twelve, all we're thinking about is you get a bye, um, and more than likely you're going to have a home home game. You know that that first round, mm-hmm. you go from having a bye um, to now having a home game. You know if if, if maybe that pass isn't complete. That, that would be the biggest difference, right? I mean, I, I think yeah. And then you're playing a game probably against a, a yeah eleven seed mm-hmm. where you're a thirty one yeah. point favorite anyway. So it's like right. that to me is so. There's a lot to discuss there. Um, I wanted to ask you one last question because I've taken a lot of your time, but it was important to me. So obviously you're aware of how important this video game is to the masses that yeah. is coming back. You were in the previous video game. I don't know what the future holds. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty aware of some of the stuff that's happening with it, but you were in the game. What did that mean to you to be a part of the game? And I think it probably is a huge step in the goal, personal goal of yours, which was to be the voice and face of the sport. Um, and what does it make you feel like that that game is returning this year? Um, I tell you, Joey Galloway and I played at Ohio state together. I was a couple years ahead of him and we, played i would argue in that era we probably played more hours it started out as bill walsh college football and then it went to ncaa mm-hmm. we probably played more hours with me he, him and and uh three other guys than maybe anybody in the country i mean i put serious hours in on that game before i was a part of the game and then when they asked me to be part of the game I mean, they they didn't even really have, they didn't have to pay me. I mean, I was like, what? I, I get to be on the video game. I mean, I, I, are you kidding me? I mean, that, that was, that was an all time moment for me because I was such a gamer. My generation, I mean, we came up with, I mean, I started with Atari 2600 to Atari 5200, ColecoVision and television, Nintendo 64. I mean, I, anytime a new system came out, me and my friends would get out and and so, I mean, that was, that was, I'm not trying to be melodramatic here. I'm just saying that that was a really big thrill, a little bit embarrassing because we kind of kept playing and then my voice was on the game. Um, and Joey was just disgustingly good at the game <laughs> play you with like Bowling Green and beat you with Josh Harris or like he wouldn't, he wouldn't bring out Florida or Florida state or like one of his good teams unless you beat him two or three times. Um, it was just so obnoxious um, in the way he would beat you with his third or fourth team, you know? So there were some good arguments and, and so much fun. So that when that game went away, it was uh, a very sad day for, for all of us that love the game, but especially me and Joey. And, uh, and now that it's coming back um, when I heard that news and, and, um, I, I'm just thrilled, and I, I've I've heard some of the stuff that you've heard, and I'm very excited um, with some of the announcements that'll be coming up here pretty soon. From what I hear, 
But um, yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. And I think college football players, and I know there'll be, sounds like an NIL part of that. It has to be yep. a O'Bannon case. So it's, it's a thrill that it's going to come back. And I, I just can't wait to see uh, how realistic it is. And, uh, and just to have updated rosters, people have been going back to that 2014 game. And I don't know if you've done that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. People they've been updating them to this day. Yeah. 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 So it's going to be pretty cool. And from what I hear, um, you know, all the teams have, have uh, accepted it. Now it's just going to come down to the players, you know, and, and whether or not they accept to be in it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, Kirk, I hope you uh, can take a deep breath now. Um, well, now the college football is kind of over and spend some time with your family and, and recharge. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate your presence on the podcast and your frank conversation at Men's Anatomy. And I'll be watching. Hey, man, I uh, really appreciate your work. Uh, keep keep doing your thing. And I think you and I both have kind of the same heart when it comes to the sport and, and how much we love it. And um, and you just keep doing you, man. Don't don't worry about it. that. Noise is going to come regardless, as you know. Yeah, you, you as well. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do the best I can. You do the best you can. And we'll keep loving the game through all these changes. Really appreciate Kirk Herbstreet's time. I initially thought it would be 20 minutes. It was 40 because he was so gracious. Um, certainly enjoyed having him on there. And I think he's truly remarkable at what he does at, uh, at ESPN and, you know, his versatile skill set going into the NFL as well. It's been it's been a pleasure to watch him develop into the face of our sport. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us on our latest episode. Um, always appreciate you being here. Be sure to check back on Friday with Nicole Auerbach, um, who will be hosting our next show. Thank you very much. We will catch you guys later this week. Yeah.